This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hi there, and welcome into episode 10 of Small Talk. I am your host, Michelle Smallman, and it's hard to believe that we're at episode 10. We've made it to double digits, so thanks for joining me and following along with this. And again, I say this every week, but thank you so much for all of your support, all of the people who have subscribed to the pod, who have rated it and left great reviews on Apple Podcasts. Your support means the world to me, so again, thank you. Uh, But we have an amazing lineup for you this week. We have a great guest, Mike Golick Jr. You know him from ESPN, from ESPN Radio, from various ESPN TV shows. He is going to join us to talk, shockingly, food and pop culture. We're going to have some fun with him later. But just like every week, first thing we need to do is get Tommy Freeze Pop on the line and do three random things. And that's coming your way next. Take 101 ESPN on the go with the all-new 101 Sports app. See the latest videos, listen to podcasts, and join the conversation with a 101 Sports app. We didn't do three random things last time with Freeze Pops and Saruti because we had so many things that we were annoyed by in the cool No One Cares Power Rankings 2.0. So we just jumped right in, which means that we have a lot of random things that we haven't addressed. Um, so we're going to have to whittle it down to three, but let's bring in Tommy Freeze Pops and we can kind of navigate the seas here with him. So Tom, are you there? I am here. What's up? What's up? So I really wanted to lead off three random things talking about The Staircase, which is the 13-part Netflix documentary about uh, a death that ha- a controversial death that happened. Um, I have many thoughts on The Staircase, but you're only at episode four, so I feel like we should table that until next week. Yeah, let's wait, because I think I'll probably be done by next week. So just wait, because I don't want you to ruin anything. Yeah, and that's this is also a big spoiler alert tease to other people listening to this pod. Go ahead and watch The Staircase because we're going to do a deep dive in about seven days. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so let, we'll pick something else to, to kick it off with. But we were texting about this yesterday, and I think we need to talk about it. It's making a lot of waves online. So Forbes came out with their new issue, and on the cover is Kylie Jenner. And the title says, America's Women Billionaires. And they basically talk about how Kylie Jenner, they, they dub her a self-made almost billionaire, which is causing a lot of controversy because a lot of people don't agree with that. But it basically says that she has a net worth of about $900 million and that she's on target to become the youngest self-made billionaire in history. I don't know if it's just female or in general. I think it's I think it's in general, but I, you and I were texting and we're like, how does Kylie Jenner have $900 million, including an $800 million cosmetics empire? Yeah, I, I was shocked when you said this to me because I, I hadn't seen the story at first and I was skeptical. I was like, there's no way she has a billion dollars. Like, People don't realize, I'm not like acting like I traffic in all this money, clearly, Uh, but like a billion dollars is so much money. Like LeBron James just made his billionth dollar like recently. You know what I mean? A billion dollars is an unfathomable amount of money. And the fact that she has that just from doing social media and like makeup and putting makeup videos on social media, I don't really understand how that's possible. And she's not that old. It's not like she's been doing this for, like, a decade. So she's... I don't, like, how long has she been an active, quote-unquote, businesswoman? And she's not that old. She's, like, 21, isn't she? So she turns 21 in August, and... She's she, not even 21. That's ridiculous. Yeah, they basically say... I, she, I just, She's amassed this fortune and less than... They say she's amassed this fortune in less than three years. It's, it's 
ridiculous to me. And uh, on top, well, I would like to point out, she's not a billionaire yet. She's I'm pretty still close. Told, I, I don't think she's going to get there. How about that? That's my hot take. I think something's going to happen. Uh, what, you think a bad investment is going to drain her bank account? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's too good to be true. She's not there yet. She still has $100 million to go, which is a lot of money, guys. I, I just, it's insane. It, it's it's really, really indicative of something we all already knew is just like how insanely important social media is for uh, businesses and and content and all that stuff. And it goes to show you, like, 2018 is a weird place, man. And it's just so different than any other time before it. And uh, I don't know if, like, her model is, like, the model moving forward of how to get rich in, in that way because her, she's kind of super unique in that her family is just, super, super, super famous, and she's just been in the spotlight her entire life. Like, I feel like her situation is just so unique that it's not, like, going to be something that we would see again for anyone else, right? Like, you're not going to see someone else get lip injections and then become a billionaire. I know, I know. Well, if you read the article in Forbes, it's fascinating on many different levels. So I'm going to just quickly break it down. One, she owns 100% of the company and they only have seven employees. And she outsources basically her distribution and packaging and all of that. So all that money is going directly into her pocket, which is just nuts and very unheard of. They have, you know, very small overhead. So she's breaking in a lot of cash. Also, they talk about her social media following and how she is not only the face of her brand, but direct voice to her consumers. And that made me think, I literally, as I'm reading this thought, I've never felt older than right in this moment. (laughs) Thinking that there are this many millions of young girls and young people out there that are obsessed with Kylie Jenner, that when she's going to drop a lip kit on Instagram, that they're going to run out and buy it. Like, I don't know anybody that would run out and buy anything that Kylie Jenner promoted. And, you know, not to say that they're not aware of her, that they may not follow her on social media, but to think that she has this mass influence over this young demographic of girls was shocking to me, and it made me feel very old. And the third thing that I thought is and like i mentioned earlier they're talking this is quite the controversy online but to say that she's self-made i think is a little suspect i mean Mm. you mentioned the fame of her family that's like starting a company and you're already on third base knowing that you have this built-in audience and not only to mention her specific audience online and on tv and just in the general public awareness but then you have her sisters all promoting these lip kits and all of her famous friends promoting it and doing collabs so it's like uh, the marketing campaigns and and all of the advertising and things that you would need to start a company, she doesn't need any of that. So to say it's self-made, I think is a little questionable. Right. And just before we move on, like, first of all, I don't know what a lift kit is. Let's <laughs> just get that out there. I literally have no idea what that is. Do you want me to fill you in? So, no, not really. <laughs> uh, and the, the other thing is, like, she's not self-made. Like, this definitely wasn't her idea. Like, no, it was her idea. Like, I, no, it, it was. wasn't. She was, however old she was, her crazy mom who, like, controls that whole operation was like, hey, Kylie, you're sprouting into a beautiful woman. We're going to start to take advantage of this. We're going to get you a company going. 
you know, this was definitely all uh, Chris Jenner's idea. I'm calling it now. So okay. those are my two hot takes. It was Chris Jenner's idea for sure. I don't care what the Forbes article says. And she's not going to get to a billion. She's going to get stuck on nine hundred million. Those okay. are my takes. Those are wicked hot takes. Um, I'm going <laughs> to rebut two things, and then we're going to move on. So in the okay. in the article, she says that. Obviously, we all know she got lip injections, uh, has since removed yep. them, the fillers, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but she says she was really insecure about her lips growing up. And so she used to go to cosmetic stores and she would get a lip liner and lipstick or lip gloss. And she would try and line her lips to make them look bigger. And she could never find a lip liner and a lipstick or a gloss that perfectly matched so she came up with this idea and her mom i mean they say like the devil works hard chris jenner works harder i mean chris jenner took that idea and was like okay done and and yes built it into what it is obviously um but it was her idea which i think is insane okay i fine she came up with the idea but she doesn't have this business unless mommy's there to say you're gonna get in touch with this person this is how you do this this is how you do that you know Get everything under the Kardashian umbrella, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. We, we, know, we know that this doesn't happen unless, and you said it, like, she started on third base. If, if she was, uh, you know, from a blue-collar family in Dubuque, Iowa, this isn't happening. Let's move on to random thing number two. So I was emailing with someone yesterday, and it got me thinking, and I really want to bring this up to you, Tom, but do you have a signature email sign-off? And by that, I mean a lot of times when you're in the workspace, I, I'm not talking like the this email signature at the bottom. I mean a lot of people when you're emailing will be like, cheers, Chris, or like, best, Tom. And so I was thinking, like, if, if you – subscribe to that formula, you're really kind of pushing all of the chips in on like cheers or best. You know what I mean? And then kind of based on the way the emails go and like the tone of the email, do you still continue with your signature sign off? Like, are you going to send a tense email and then say cheers, Tom, at the end? You know, I don't know. Yeah. uh, Okay. This is interesting because for every single type of email, I definitely have a different type of sign off. Um, But I will only do it for like the first of the emails. So like if I send an email to my boss, I'll always use thanks because I, I feel like whenever I'm sending an email to my boss, I'm usually like asking him something or like telling him something. And I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, overstepping my bounds. And then if he responds and we have a back and forth, I won't use thanks again. It'll just be whatever, he asks me or responds and whatever my response is, there's no signature. You know what I mean? It's just whatever our conversation is as if we're texting. But for the first email, I'll always do a little sign off thing and it will change based on who I'm talking to or what, what it's about. So if I'm reaching out to someone professionally that I've never really met before, like it's just like an intro email or something job related, Maybe I'll throw like a a cheers in there, you know. Uh, You would, by the way, a thousand percent be a cheers guy. Yeah, well, it's just like a nice thing to say. I I I remember the first time someone said cheers to me at the end of an email, and I was like, "Oh, I kind of like that." I thought I thought like, "Oh, are you British?" (laughs) Yeah, no, I I I had never seen it before, and then I remember it was towards the end of college when I was interning with the Bruins. And my Bruins boss at the end of, so she was a person that at the end of every email, no matter what, 
uh, like even if we were like having an email conversation, would say cheers and then her name. So she's committed to so, cheers. So, yeah. So that was so that's where I kind of got that from. But yeah, she was all the way in on cheers and saying giving the the sign off every single time. But if it's just like a quick email to someone, I'll just do a dash with my name. Um, I don't know. Where do you stand on this? So I usually do thanks exclamation point Michelle, or I'll do dash. MS sometimes, but it made yeah, me... Yeah, I, I remember you doing the MS thing for when we would do the show emails. Oh, yeah, back at back in the Russell Canell days, MS. Yeah. Well... Yeah, you were an MS person. And I was like, <laughs> I always thought that was kind of cocky move, to be honest. Like, oh, Whoa. MS, all right. Well, those yeah, are my initials. Right. She, yeah. Oh, listen, I get it, but I remember the first time I thought, I was like, all right, MS. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> See, this is my whole point, right? To me, I'm thinking, like, I'm too lazy to type out thanks, exclamation, Michelle. So I'm just going to say MS. Like, it's a quick, efficient sign-off. And the way you interpret it is, oh, all right, she's making a stance here. Like, aggressive move, MS. And that's my whole yeah. point of this is, like, if you have a signature sign-off, whether it's cheers where you're, like, the person interpreting it could be like, are you British? Oh, a little loose with the sign off there. Cheer. You know what I mean? Or where it's like a thanks exclamation, like, you know, enough. I don't need your perky sign off today. But the way other people are consuming it is nine times out of 10, probably not the way that you're indicating it, which I think is fascinating. No, a good point. It's, it's a really good point. I, I honestly have never put that much thought into it on the, like, how is this person taking this side? Although I think, I, I guess I probably have because I change it based on what type of email it is every time. But I guess I've just been emailing people like that for so long that I've never really cared or, like, given it too much thought. I don't know. But, yeah, I definitely used to be like, oh, man, MS. Okay, <laughs> cool. Okay, but see- there's other people. there was other people that uh, would use the, the um, abbreviation um thing at ESPN but yeah you were the one that I most often had the the MS from so was it why okay so now I'm paranoid about MS and now I'm never <laughs> going to use dash MS ever again just so we're clear I don't know I don't know it just it just has a cocky air about it I don't know is it because I, they're both consonants <laughs> well if they were if the second letter was a vowel, then it would look like a short word. So no, it's definitely it's definitely a uh, it's definitely your name. Like everyone knows. Oh, okay, MS Michelle Smallman. Um, so is it? But, is it? No, because... I don't know. It's just I think it's because it's just so short, and like maybe you're not even taking the time to say like like you don't have the time to just to even be like thanks Michelle. It's just like oh MS. Like you guys get it, you know. True. So is it? But listen. But I've never really cared that much. It's like the first time I saw, it, I was like, "Ah, oh, that's pretty cocky." Whatever. And then I email. Then I sent whatever email I sent that got probably ignored in the chain of long emails. Yeah, we ignored your emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You had great content, Tom. Great content ideas. Um, so it's not. It's not because MS didn't fit my personality. It's just because of it, of the shortness of the sign off. I think that's what it was. I think it was. Uh, the efficiency made it come off as you didn't care. Because I didn't about care. I, well, it's not that I didn't <laughs> care about you guys personally. It's just I had probably written a super long email, and it was probably the they fourth. Are, 
super long email yeah. I'd written you guys all week was like, here are our guests, here are our content ideas, here are some sound. Have you seen this for TV only? And by the end of it, I'm exhausted and I'm just like, you know it's me. You see my email in the inbox. You know, you know it's from me. You get it every day, MS. Yeah, no, it makes sense because those emails were long. Uh, I mean, they had to be. I'm not ripping you for that. They had to Thank be long you. emails. Um, and that is a good point because at the end of a long email, it does feel kind of awkward to be like, cheers, Tom. And sometimes yeah. you want to be like, sincerely, Tom, because it's such a long, <laughs> like, it's like a, it's like a you, letter. Is your you know pen pal? I mean? <laughs> I've never written sincerely, but you, you almost feel like you have to write it at some point because it's like, this is such a long email that this deserves a longer word to go along with my name at the bottom of this. But so, no, I completely understand, you know, you wrote the whole email. You're like, MS, let's get this over with. Fire it off. Yeah, send it off. So I need to get your, your stance on one sign-off that I really can't pinpoint. And, and this is best. Like, when you just say, like, best, Michelle, I just think it sounds so weird. It's not all the best or wishing you the best. It's just best. Mm. I'm like, yeah, be- I best mean- of what? Best in show? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I don't understand best. I don't know when best became acceptable as an email sign off. I don't really know, you know, why not? Why has it been reduced to best from like all the best? I just I don't really get it. So and this is going to be a little morbid, but like I feel like wow. and I don't think I've ever used it, but I feel like when you say best, it's like at the end of an email you're sending to someone that just had someone like pass away or something. I, like I, I get a very morbid vibe when I hear best. Oh my god! Well, all you people listening, never use best in your emails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're sending me condolences and you want to use best, go ahead. But I don't know. I just get a very morbid vibe when I hear best. No, if someone passes away, you use like T's and P's, like thoughts and prayers. You know, you don't. You, so, you know, I'm thinking of you, Dash Michelle. You're not like best. Because they're not at their best. If someone just passed away, it's not best does not apply. But you're just like wishing them best, you know. <laughs> I don't know. That's just the vibe I got. I don't know. When you, when you hit me with the best, that's what I felt. Oh my gosh! I'm well, I'm glad that we've kind of been able to talk through this because I've just been noticing this in emails lately with these different sign offs, and I'm thinking like, what do you? You know, are you just trying to streamline this so you don't have to think about it? Or are you trying to send a certain vibe with your cheers? You know, do you want me to yeah. think that you're just fun and fancy free with the cheers? Because if so, I'm picking up that vibe. But if not, <laughs> I don't really know. So now I'm going to be super aware of email sign-offs. People tweet us. Let us know if you have a, an email sign-off. I really want to know. Um, it's kind of like how we talked about ending the, the podcast, right? How I was like, you know, I, I've said all I need to say, and then I, I just don't know how to put a bow on it. So we're, we're kind of mocking it right now with Goodnight Boston after, you know, your your <laughs> radio show back in the day. But it's kind of like the email form of that. You know, you said all you need to say, and you kind of don't know how to put a bow on it. Send us some screenshots of, like, ridiculous ones. All right, Tom, for random thing number three, I'm just going to take the ball and run with this one. Uh, but don't worry, I'll keep it quick, I'll keep it simple, and I'll try to be concise. Yeah. Well, most of you know, some of you may not know, that Monday through Friday, my normal job outside of this podcast is working on a local sports talk radio show in St. Louis, Missouri. And we had a bit of news happen here locally that I'd like to address. The Cardinals announced on Saturday that they were dismissing their manager, Mike Matheny. And this came as a shock to a lot of people. It's pretty uncharacteristic of the Cardinals to make a move of this magnitude in season. 
But Mike Matheny had become quite the polarizing figure here in St. Louis. There was one group of fans that really supported Matheny and pointed the finger at the front office, saying that they didn't put the right players on the field and that St. Louis lacked a true superstar. And that's maybe why we've seen the lack of postseason success here in St. Louis recently. And then in the other corner, we had a group of fans who were constantly frustrated by Mike Matheny's tactical decisions. And then you hear back-to-back national stories about discontent in the clubhouse, first with Dexter Fowler, then with Bud Norris and Jordan Hicks. And so they say, if I'm not seeing results on the field and we're having clubhouse discontent, what's going on here? But I think no matter which corner you're in now, we can all agree that at the beginning, we really wanted Mike Matheny to succeed. And that's not to say that I didn't question the hire when it was made, because I truly did. You had Tony LaRusso, who's a Hall of Fame manager, retire, coming off that magical 2011 Cardinals World Series championship run. And you give the keys to the kingdom to a guy who's never managed before outside of the high school level. And yes, he was a revered Cardinal. And yes, he played the game for a long time and knows it in and out. But it's still a risky move to give the keys of a championship team to a manager who's never done it before. It would have been amazing to see a former Cardinal like Mike Matheny become the manager and bring home a championship to St. Louis without any credentials. It would have been the Cardinals' greatest devil magic move of all time. But unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. And the brand has taken a major hit and the Cardinals needed to do this to self-correct. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Schilt does with this team in the second half. And hopefully, coming out of the All-Star break, we see a rejuvenated and refreshed Cardinals team. So um, you're the best, Tom. Thank you so much. We will talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. Take 101 ESPN on the go with the all-new 101 Sports app. See the latest videos, listen to podcasts, and join the conversation with the 101 Sports app. Well, I'm so pleased to welcome in this week's guest to Small Talk. It's Mike Golick Jr. of ESPN. And I think this might be our first guest ever who's joining us on location. So, Gojo, how you doing? Thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for having me. Glad I finally got the call up here. And of all places to get to do it, the Detroit airport seems awfully fitting for me, considering I am never home. (laughs) Okay, so first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your travel day to do this. I I genuinely appreciate it. But also, I've never been to the Detroit airport, so can you give me a scouting report? Oh, Michelle. See, the Detroit airport, for the longest time, and this predates my time using it, but apparently used to be a real dump. And so they worked overtime to renovate this place so much so that I would argue the B terminal, I think it's called the McNamara terminal in the Detroit airport is one of the best, if not the best in the country. They've got a PF Chang's, a Gordon Biersch. They've got a Cadoba. I think they've still got a uh, peanut butter and jelly store on one of the far ends. So it's a real treat. It's a triumph of human engineering. The only downside is they always have birds that get stuck inside here. And I feel bad because there's only one way that ends. For sure. And also when you were just naming the different restaurants and such in the Detroit airport, I thought, you know what is low-key amazing is a PB&J. Oh, well, and so the one that either is still here or used to be here has other toppings that you can put in it. So instead of like a traditional peanut butter and jelly, I've gotten like a peanut butter, banana, and honey sandwich. You can customize it a lot of different ways here, which is insane. I think that isn't the peanut butter, banana, honey scenario. Isn't that Elvis's sandwich that he used to eat? Was it really? I don't know. All of a sudden, I feel a lot more, a lot better about my choice, though. <laughs> I think it is. I think you may have the same taste buds as the king. So you'll have to Google that. 
I was going to say, hopefully we don't go out in similar fashions, although I'm probably <laughs> trending in that direction. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, let's let's <laughs> move this forward because I, I have so much stuff that I want to chat with you about. We need to talk pop culture. We're going to talk more food later. But before we get started with that, I need your help, okay? So most people, they know you're like the Swiss Army Knife of ESPN. You're on all various different programs, but I really want to hone in to your, your staples, your Monday through Friday staples, which is first and last, which you host from 4 to 6 a.m. Eastern, and then go look and wingo after that. And, I mean, first of all, props to you for just that continuous string of content early in the morning. Well, it's a, it's a great stretch anyway, but now that I've transitioned back here to St. Louis and been doing local radio at an early hour, I sit in the studio here and listen to your show while I prep, and I'm just so tired all of the time and I think to myself how should I complain about being tired when poor Michael Jr. starts his show at 4 a.m. so you need to tell me how do you do it how do you how do you get this sleep schedule in sync and then I want to talk to you about your coffee consumption so tell me how you get your sleep in sync and then how many cups of coffee you have relatively each day. I was going to say you've you've already hinted on the major point in all this which is timing your caffeine. It's the only way to survive. But I learned a long time ago in this. And, and by the way, don't feel bad ever about complaining about being up early. That's our right as people that are up early in the morning is the ability to all complain about it to one another. It's a safe space for being really, really just whiny about everything that goes on in the morning because everyone acknowledges it's way too early to be up and functioning. So don't ever feel bad about that. But I learned a long time ago, Robin Lundberg, who used to work at ESPN, works at SI now, was the guy I first started doing first and last with. And I asked him, he had been doing that slot locally in New York, how do you do it? And he said, you got to take naps. And essentially what happened is I end up breaking up my night's sleep. So I'll go to bed on any given night between like 11 and midnight, depending on what's going on with sports or what I, you know, what I want to do if I want to be social, because you want to be able to have a life still. You know, we're still not, we're not old people. We want to be able to go out and do stuff. So I'll go to bed around then. I'll sleep till 2.30, 2.40 when my alarm goes off try and get in between 3 and 3.15, and then when I get home, that's when I really try and hammer time it. Because I'm with Golden Wingo till 8 a.m. Eastern. Ugh. I can usually get home by 9, and then once it's there, I'm trying to sleep until 11.30 or noon, and that's when the caffeine part of this kicks in. you got to hit a heavy dose when you first get in so that you can come on air with some energy, and then once you get up from the, that nap, it has got to be the hardest caffeine punch of your life or else the rest of your day is just going to be for nothing. So when you say a heavy dose, break it out for me. Are we talking one cup, two cups? I know you're very strong in the team iced coffee camp, so are you going to get an iced coffee? How do you develop this this breakout here? It's such a fine line, Michelle, because like I, I drink probably 40 ounces of coffee a day, so however many cups you want to break that down into, That's I'm so usually aggressive. consuming it. It, it, like, it, the thing is, well, like, it's like anything else. Like, you have a little bit of it, and it works for a while, and then your body gets used to it. So my body can tolerate a lot of caffeine before my heart starts to palpitate again. So I've got to constantly keep upping the ante. I, it might get to the point where I have to switch to, like, espresso. I was talking to uh, Stu Gotch from the Dan Levitard show about that the other day. He only drinks espresso because he's like, why am I going to beat around the bush with the rest of this stuff? I just want the hit. I just want the caffeine kick, but... It's, it is. It's like two 20-ounce shots for me every day. I try and make myself walk to go to Starbucks in the afternoon because I spend the first four hours of my morning just sitting like a slouch. So I, I play these little mind games to try and make myself at least move a little bit. All right. So noted that I w- – well, I can't nap, so I can't really follow that instruction, but basically just consume my body weight in coffee. 
Yeah, well, I mean, every scientific study basically says that between one and eight cups will make you live longer somehow, which I don't believe. I can't imagine that that thing, anything in moderation is fine. Anything in that much, in, in as much as I'm drinking it, can't be good for me. But I accept that. I kind of understand that going in. And I just need to follow up on this. When you say you can't nap, you mean you don't have it in your schedule to nap or you cannot bring yourself to actually fall asleep during the day? I physically cannot do it. I've tried everything. I've tried watching TV. I've tried the noise apps. I've tried eye masks. I don't know what it is. It's like my body just does not allow me to fall asleep in the middle of the day. And if I do, it's usually when I'm like on vacation at the beach or something and it feels like the most luxurious thing in the entire world to wake up from a nap. Oh, so you've got it still in, like, special occasion mode then. Yeah, I'm a situational napper for sure. <laughs> I, like, I like that. Big-time situational sleeper, Michelle, <laughs> Michelle Smallman. For sure. Um, so I was listening to Golik and Wingo this morning, and I heard you guys talking about this thing that you're doing this summer called the Summer Take Bracket, which is essentially you're doing polls on the hottest sports takes of all time, which I, I very much appreciate. It's a good summer topic thing that you guys are doing. But I want to know from you, what is the hottest take that you've ever had? Because I, I have one that I remember you saying that I think is pretty controversial, so I want to see if ours line up. So mine is my most controversial take would probably be movie related because I usually am the one to say that I think the first Rocky is the worst of the core four. Ooh, that is a hot I think take. The Rocky, the Rocky that won the Oscar to me, like it's it's none of what I want in a Rocky movie. Like I don't want to see Sly Stallone really try and act. I'm not here for the love story. Punch Booker, you know, punch Clubber Lang and punch Ivan Drago in the face. That's what I'm here to see. I'm here to see a bunch of really badly acted boxing that ends with some weird speech about how Russians and Americans can coexist in the Soviet era. That's what I'm here for, not the love story, not them making out in a pet shop or anything like that. That's that is probably the one that got the most pushback from me. See, that's I agree. That is an outrageously hot take. But I thought your hottest take, at least in my recent memory, was your Justin Bieber, Michael Jackson take. You know what? That one did get a lot of run. That's fair. That, and I promise you, Michelle, it was such a it was such a throwaway comment. <laughs> I I don't even remember how it came up, but it's one of those things that as soon as I said it, because listen, like. Conflict is good for radio. Dad and Trey are old. I am young. So every once in a while, I like to needle them and see if I can get under their skin. And if I find something, I'm just going to hammer it. And this one just happened to catch wind. By the time I got out, I was doing Sports Nation later that day in California. They had picked up on it, wanted to run it. And next thing I know, that got clipped and thrown into Twitter. And you know what a hell sphere that is. Once it hit Twitter, that was it for me. My mention, I still get tweets every once in a while referencing that like people will not let it go for those people listening to the pod who haven't heard it go ahead and lay out this outrageous take so i think it was around i think it was on his birthday i think it was justin bieber's birthday and he's he's only like what like 23 or 24 something ridiculous like that yes very and young and i i threw it out there again very sarcastically at first but i was like you know, show me an artist that's accomplished more before the age of 24 than Justin Bieber. And someone immediately pointed out Michael Jackson, which, because I had already made my points, I just summarily dismissed without any real backup to it. And then people started throwing prints in there. And I said, well, I said, Justin Bieber is that, you know, that for this generation. He was a, you know, child star who's managed to maintain his fame into young adulthood. He's reinvented himself a couple of different times. He's a genuine musical talent that we know from back in the day. 
And based on his rampant popularity, that part I don't think is that far-fetched, that he represents a pop icon for a generation. Like, you can at least see there's some validity in that, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but to say... I, you don't but sound to, fully convinced. So, no, no. Just to that one <laughs> specific thing that you said about how he represents a generation as far as a pop icon, I 100% agree with that. But to say that he's accomplished more or... Because you know what I think? In typical social media fashion or just 2018 consumption habit fashion, people hear, see that tweet or they see that take and they consume it the way they want to, right? And it's like, how dare yep. you even put Bieber in the same breath as Michael Jackson? When I also think we do have a lot of recency bias, right? Like people want to say like, oh, well, Bieber, you know, is a hot mess. And Michael Jackson, since he's passed away and we have separation, is just revered. And look at everything he's accomplished in totality instead of just looking at it as like a young child musician to one child musician. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, listen, Michael Jackson needed the entire Jackson 5. Justin Bieber is out here solo dolo. People forget that. Uh, and I also think that people, people forget that. they do forget that. And they also don't think about the hair factor. Like Bieber inspired an entire young generation to swoop their hair. God, that is so. Who do you think had a bigger effect on that? Justin Bieber or the Hoover High School show that was on MTV? I, I didn't watch that show. That? No. Oh, there was some high school football shows, Hoover High School in Alabama. They followed the school, but they essentially all had that Justin Bieber haircut. So it's, I don't know. It's a weird tangent, but I guess just coming back to this, and I want I want your hottest take too, is you've like because I know like you know for a long time you were producing out here at ESPN and you were working with Ryan, who I don't necessarily classify Ryan as a hot take guy. I always appreciated that. He's very reasoned. My problem is I hung out way too much with Stu Gotts on the Dan Levitard show, <laughs> and I learned that sometimes it's just fun to make people mad. I, I remember actually talking at weird. I ran into Dan Patrick at a Darius Rucker concert in Connecticut one time. Nice. Watch. Like, <laughs> well, hold on. It was, it was up. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just need to let that marinate and land for a second that you ran into Dan Patrick at a Darius Rucker concert in Connecticut. Weirdly enough, apparently him and, like, he goes back to, like, being friends with Darius from the Hootie days. He was around during that, so apparently they're very good friends. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, the most, the most random setting to run into someone who technically works in the same industry that we do. For sure. We're, you know, I was talking, and I, so I started talking to him back there, and I'm like, you know, it's like, Dan, Dan Bleeping Patrick. Like, I, you know, I want to hear what this guy has to say. And he said, he's like, you know, he's like, don't be afraid to go out with an unpopular opinion sometimes. Essentially, the message was, don't be afraid to say something that might rile people up. He goes, it's amazing how fun it is to be out on a limb. And that was when I realized, all right, like, we can, we can play fast and loose with this a little bit. We're not hurting anybody. You save the, the serious, very well-reasoned takes for the things that, you know, are important. And then for everything else, like Justin Bieber and Michael Jackson, man, let them fly sometimes. For sure. Uh, quickly, before I give you my hottest takes, I Googled it. Hoover High, the show was called Two-A-Days. Two-A-Days, that's it. Yes, I didn't watch it, but it looks kind of like a uh, Friday Night Lights reality show type situation, right? Essentially, yeah. Like, they were a really dominant Alabama high school football program. Yeah, bas- I would say basically real-life Friday Night Lights with a lot, a lot less good-looking actors. Oh, okay. So that's a bummer, but maybe I'll check it out on YouTube. But um, So it's so funny that your hottest takes are about movies and music because my 
two takes that I've had that I genuinely believe this isn't just like me trying to rile people up have been very controversial and they it's a music take and a TV show take and both actually happened this week on the show one you know uh, one you might not know but I think you're going to disagree with me on both of them so my my first take and you and I have debated this many many times is that I think the most overrated musical act going today is Taylor Swift Oh, yeah, I saw this coming. This this really has, like, for the for the people listening, this is the battle that I, you and I have waged for a long time now. And I am I, I couldn't be further on the opposite side. It's funny we're bringing this up because just yesterday, one of my friends posted online, name your favorite Taylor Swift song and your most underrated Taylor Swift song. And it sent me careening down the ultimate Taylor Swift rabbit hole yesterday. So I have just been mainlining T-Swift for the last probably 36 hours. So were you unable to answer the question because every song sounds the same? Michelle, it is a diverse catalog. And if you go back to the beginning, she has really just transformed her sound right now. I mean, nothing even resembling country music at this point. I went back and listened to her saying I lie, which I think is like 10 years old at this point, and was moved in ways I didn't know were humanly possible. I'd somehow missed this gem along the way, and now my life seems to be changed. Oh, now, was that the song where she broke up with a guy and is sad about it, but it's not her fault? Uh, no, this is about her admiring <laughs> the traits of a boy that she doesn't have yet the courage to tell that he, she loves him. All right, Michelle, it's a very different core message from the usual other stuff about how she broke up with a boy and it's never her fault. Yeah, it's pretty much the catalog. <laughs> I mean, for those, Golik Jr. and I used to literally debate. We would text each other. He always tried to sway me to the Taylor Swift side. I would try and expose her to him. I mean, this has been a point of contention between us for quite some time. It has. And, you know, it got to the point where every time I would hear a new Taylor Swift song, I would sit there and go, oh, no, no, Michelle's going to like this one. Like, this is going to be the one that changes. And I would send it to you and get it swatted back to the student section every time. Well, you would send me things like, look what you made me do, which is a terrible song. Come on, that beat, though, Michelle, the beat. No, it literally sounds like that song from Mean Girls where they are dressing up for Halloween. It sounds like a like a bum-ass version of that. I, just, I, I still feel like one day I'm going to break, like there's going to be this epiphany moment one day where I just find the right one and send it to you. And all of a sudden your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to look back and wonder why you gave so many years of your life to this hatred that really I, I, I don't think is in you. I don't, I don't think this is the real Michelle Smallman. See, to me, it's, it's not even so much the music, which I find to be incredibly vanilla and just not palatable for me. I think it's just representative of something like a bigger picture thing that I find very annoying, which is like this contrived image that a lot of girls and women feel like they need to have. Like, oh, look at me. I'm so perfect and cute and sad. And oh, you know, look at my best friends. When you read articles about people saying like, she's not like that in real life. And actually, she's like trying to curate this group of friends for publicity. And I, I don't know. To me, she's just like she is the human equivalent of like a bad burlap wreath with an initial on it that you see on pinterest it's just too basic i can't deal with it that is actually very true i will say i'm with you on hating like the taylor swift rat pack of friends because she <laughs> seems like the number one most likely person to put I, my my biggest pet peeve is when girls are going on like a bachelorette party or a weekend and it's like watch out insert city name here me and my girls are coming for you like oh yeah you guys are going to decimate the social scene of nashville or las vegas these cities that just 
to rip people up and spit them out. You're the different one because me and my girls are crazy. I mean, you know they are going to decimate the scene, Mike, with all of their jello shots and wooing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, the late night wrapped around the porcelain crying. I just need to call Jessica. Someone <laughs> just call Jessica. She knows what to do. Or they're, they're around the porcelain crying being like, put on Taylor Swift. I'm so sad Derek won't call me back. She is the soundtrack for late night vomiting after way too much tequila. See, after that comment, I think you're starting to see my side of this. You know what? I think I think this is what it is. Like it's like everyone. Like everyone has that friend that everyone else looks at and goes, "That guy's a jerk." But it's like, yeah, but it's my jerk. Like I recognize the negative qualities about her, and I just I, I'm still able to do it for the music. She is like she is like in a very different genre. My Kanye West. That's true. That's true. Um, Okay, so my second take that I need to get your perspective on, and I said this on local radio here this week, and I cannot tell you how upset people got. I mean, I was getting tweets like hate tweets about this, but I said, again, in the overrated category that I think one of the most overrated TV shows of all time is Friends. Ooh, ooh, you know what? Like, I'm sort of here for this. Yes, thank you. I, I, I... I always look at Friends like Friends is comfortable. Friends was something, it was like, it's like a game show. It's very, it's, it's, it's easy to digest. It was always there when I wanted to kill time. It's funny enough to justify, but I don't think there was anything transcendent about it. You know, like, I, I can't point back to, like, outside of, like, Smelly Cat that just got memed into, you know, into oblivion before memes were a thing. Like, that was the one reference point everyone had. The rest of it is, like, yeah, right? Like, it's a bunch of friends living in a really unrealistic New York apartment. Like, there's no way they could afford rent there. Right. And the rest of it is just very, like, it's very comfortable. It's very simple, which is fine, but it's not It's not on the level of a bunch of other shows people want to put it on. I'm with you in this one, actually, I think. I love that. And, yeah, my expanded thought process on this is, is kind of twofold. One, I think the jokes are super corny, and they don't play today. Like, today, people are more sarcastic. They like better, you know, sharper humor. And when you go back and watch it, you're like, this is corny as hell. Like, th- I can't believe we thought this is funny. I also think when Friends debuted, it was in that Thursday primetime slot, right? It was, like, back when we consumed TV on an appointment-style basis. So it was, like, the one thing you tuned in to watch with ER or whatever else was on at that time. Whereas now we have this like massive buffet of media at all times. So it's it's not like the, there's one thing that we have to watch every week that everyone's going to be talking about. We can consume thing in, things in binge form and, and really just choose what we like. You know what? Like hearing you say that, and I selfishly relate everything back to this, but Friends sounds like Notre Dame football. Like, we used to be the only show in town on Saturdays. We had the NBC contract. And then somewhere along the way, they started putting everybody on TV. And we became a lot less special. Oh, my God. That is such a good observation. Friends is for sure Notre Dame football. It it really is. Like, championship caliber in the past, but hasn't done a lot lately. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm going to, that's going to be the tease, the tweet tease, like, for this pod is how is Friends like Notre Dame football? God, I, I say I'm, I'm going to really, well, you know what? Like, I hope Notre Dame fans can be realistic about this because there's a lot of truth wrapped up in this. But that's, that's, to me, that's a really good observation about, you're right, like everything has changed in the way we look at all this. And it definitely doesn't hold up. Like you would say Seinfeld, especially with the tendencies of that show, holds up nowadays, right? Like it is sarcastic. 
It's witty. It's observational. Like, it's all the things we covet now. Okay, so this is shameful. I've, oh, ne- I've never seen Seinfeld. What, at all? Like, I've seen one episode, and it was the one about the pen. And I saw, I saw it when I was living in Italy. So it was, like, dubbed in Italian. So, no, I've, I've honestly never seen Seinfeld. <laughs> I know the music. I obviously, like, know the characters. I'm, it's not like I'm complete, completely ignorant to it, but I've never actually sat down and consumed it in any real way. That's a, that's a, like you said, sort of like the way you stopped and took in me meeting Dan Patrick at the Darius Rucker concert. I'm stopping to take in your only career episode of Seinfeld was it was English dubbed on Italian television. Yeah, I know. It's kind of sad. I should probably get on that. It was a cultural phenomenon that I've really missed out on. Well, and I just think like it's it, like all the things you mentioned, like we're very sarcastic now. Everything's got to kind of be a little more nuanced and layered. I feel like that's what Seinfeld was largely ahead of its time. Like it's very observational. It's a bunch of friends really just ripping on each other and finding these little things to hone in on. I, I, I really think it would speak to your sensibilities and like our sensibilities. Now I think you'd really like it. And plus they rerun it all the time. Like you can almost not turn on daytime television without running right into Seinfeld. Maybe it'll actually be the thing that helps you nap too. Cause it's a very easy show to sit and watch. Oh my God. Could we have just unlocked the, the code? Like, did we crack the nap code for me? Is it Seinfeld? That's, that's all I really want, Michelle. Like I like, Forget like helping you see Taylor Swift. I want to help you become a napper because I really think it can improve your quality of life with the early mornings. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I will really get on that. But okay, so I want to continue talking about pop culture here in St. Louis on my on my local radio show. Where it's a really heavy sports lane, and I try and explain this to people that at the network we talk about pop culture and things that are going on in the world all the time. And you are one of my favorite people to talk about headlines with because you're always in the know and you always have really really great observations. So I'm just gonna kind of like around the horn style read you some things that have happened in the world and i want you to give your observations on them okay perfect let's do it all right number one speaking of justin bieber justin bieber and Haley baldwin getting engaged yeah you know what this is really par for the course at this point right like celebrity couples just going out here and recklessly getting engaged too early i'm all for it like at some point, I always say, when you know, you know. And it's like, as you get older, that clock starts ticking and you start watching all of your friends get married. Like, I'm 28 right now, going to be 29 in September. Most of my core friends are married and going on their second kids. And so when you get into relationships now, you're basically moving the finish line up a little bit because you understand you're coming at this late in the game. In celebrity circles, Justin Bieber is probably technically behind the eight ball on this one. We've gone really far away, I think, from like the Clooney's and Brad Pitt's that waited super long. So now he's just really feeling the heat from everyone else looking at him saying, all right, Justin, like you've been a celebrity for a really long time and you haven't gotten recklessly engaged at this point. Is there something wrong with you? And he wanted to make sure that there were no more doubts there. I think the shock factor came because he got engaged to someone that wasn't Selena Gomez. I don't even know if it was because he got engaged so quickly. It's just that everyone assumed those two would end up together. Yeah, that is true. Nothing like in 2018, just crushing the one pure love story we thought we had left. Like this on again, off again romance between a bunch of kids we watched grow up. That one, that one did hurt a lot of people, but you know, I, I, I think everyone learns that it, you know your first love doesn't always pan out. Maybe there's a valuable lesson in here. I think so too. And you know, another couple that was quick on the trigger with the engagement, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson. You know, I tend to fall in line with her. She tweeted this week, and I believe it. She says, "Love is lit." You know. 
Love is quite lit. That is, that's about the most 2018 quote possible. Um, okay, next headline for you. Cardi B and Offset had their baby, uh, and her name is Culture, with a K. Thoughts? I, I understand I should have a problem with this, but for some reason, anything that Cardi B does plays for me. If she <laughs> wants to name her baby Culture, she can do whatever she wants because she is my queen. Cardi B's Instagram page is the best thing to happen to me in the last four or five years. I don't know what my life was like before it, and so I am so happy for an offset. They seem genuinely happy. Cardi B refuses to stop just recklessly spouting off on Instagram. This child now retroactively has two albums named after it, too. People need to people forget that. So shout out to the Migos for giving this baby a gift before it was ever born. I love that. I'm I'm kind of the same way. I mean, like, would I name my baby culture? Of course not. But I'm also not, you know, a, a gold album rapper. So it's a little different, right? Definitely. Completely. Like we said about Justin Bieber, like different metric of judging when you're too old to get engaged. In the celebrity world, we've been naming babies weird stuff for a long time. Like Kanye's kids all have directional names and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for all of it. Like, I have, I have about the most boring name on the planet. You know how much it stinks to be in a room and someone yell Mike and watch eight heads snap in that direction trying to figure out who's being addressed? There's never any doubt who's being addressed when someone asks for culture. You're right. She's one of one. There's nothing like being an original. I know. Okay. It's a beautiful thing. I appreciate that. Okay. This one, I, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on this. What about the, uh, you know, the Drake album dropped? Everyone's super excited about it. it you know, a lot of good tracks on there. But what are your thoughts on the In My Feelings Challenge? So I'm a big fan of the In My Feelings Challenge, if for no other reason is because it involves dance moves that are within my range. <laughs> like, I have a very, I've, I've always said, like, being a heavy set white guy lowers the bar a lot for what people expect for you on a dance floor. And so if you can go out there and just give a little bit of rhythm, people look at you like you're the second coming. They're like, wow, this guy can really dance. But these are a couple of things that are within my range, like flexibility-wise, rhythm-wise, so I can go out and look good doing this. And, like, in all honesty, like, I'm in for, like, low-stakes viral crazes. Like, Will Smith's Instagram account, people lose their mind over. Watching him in, like, Prague do this on top of a bridge, like, all right, you know what? We're being forced to innovate because of this challenge. I'm good with that. We got to make fun of Russell Wilson for just sitting there and not actually doing the challenge while Sierra did it. I'm here for that. I... I don't know. I have a weird soft spot in my heart for dance phrases. So I don't know. Have you actually, have you done this one? I know this has been a, 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 you know, it's been around a lot longer than I've been aware of it, but have you done it yet? I haven't done it yet. Have you done it? Uh, I haven't done it like on video yet. And I feel like I missed my window, which is sad, right? No, I'm sure if you come in on Monday morning and you say to the Golik and Wingo Curl, like, Hey, let's do this on TV. It'll be done. Oh, man, the last thing on earth I want to do is try and watch my dad navigate that. Oh, Well, you could do it together. Could you imagine? You could have an In My Feelings (laughs) challenge off. That that would be a side-by-side. Like, I'm all for, like, you know, getting, like, ripping on my dad sometimes. That would be a side-by-side comparison. I would actually feel uncomfortable. That would be like kicking a puppy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. That would just be bad. Last one for you. Well, first, I need to ask, are you still watching The Bachelorette? I, I, uh, unfortunately, yes. 
Okay, so background here. I had never watched The Bachelor or Bachelorette before moving to Bristol to work for ESPN. And then it became that thing that everyone watched and everyone talked about. And so I was like, should I get in on this? And it was the first time I ever watched it. It was JoJo season. And after the very first episode, I said, she's going to pick Jordan. This is going to be a waste of my time. And I was right. It was a waste of my time because she did pick Jordan. And that's how I feel about this season. I feel like from day one, I said, oh, she's going to pick Colton. Yeah, well, I mean, did you have you so have you been watching this season? Like, have you seen the bombshell that they just dropped with Colton? Uh, I did, and I have. I've been watching it sporadically, but I did see that Colton revealed that he was a virgin. I feel like she shook on this one. Like in, in general, when someone tells you something, and that if you tell someone something, and that person's response is to just get up and immediately take five and walk out of the room, you have said something that has upset them. That is not the reaction. You should pack your things and go. Like, do you, you agree that's not a human response that's usually positive? No. I- there's so many things there. The pack your knives and go made me laugh. Yes, uh, she should totally top chef it. But I think that she's marinating on it and that she's seeing the you know the positives to it. And I think she's going to pick him. I think uh, this is this is just me because what you know Garrett, one of the guys, good looking dude. Lots of her and Garrett's physical chemistry reminds me a lot of JoJo and Jordan's. Mm-hmm. And I think Garrett just got his workload doubled up for the fantasy suite. That's all I think happened. I think she took all the energy that would have gone to Colton. And now that's just all getting dumped in Garrett's plate. He has got a, he has got quite a night in front of him. Or does he have the easiest night ever? And then, and then point proven, point proven. He <laughs> sit back and get ready for that. They, I always do love the morning after. Like, they always get the best breakfast. Like, on that show where you rarely see people eat, it's always, like, a great waffle or pancake spread the next morning. It looks lovely. By the way, I was I keep calling you Gojo, and I thought about this on the way here. When did that nickname come about? Because I get the Go from Golik and the J from Junior, but what what is with the double O? Where did Gojo come from? So Gojo came from when I was filling in on the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gotts down there, and I was Mike coming into the building. Mike Ryan is their longtime producer and a big staple of that show. And so I said, you know, I can't in good conscience take the name Mike for the day. They're like, we need to come up with a nickname. And they gave me Gojo. I don't know where the O came from. That was just sort of what they came up with. And it caught on with their audience, which is a, a pretty strong one. And then everyone else started using it. And I mean, I've been called so many things, I really never stop anyone, but this one seems to have some staying power. So, yeah, the Dan Levitard show gets credit for Gojo. I love it. Well, Gojo, you're the absolute best. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, and enjoy the Detroit airport. I'm going to go get myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Michelle. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Mike Golick Jr. for the time from Detroit Airport this week. That was really generous of him to uh, to spend his layover with us. And as always, thanks to Tommy Freeze Pops and Chris Files for producing this pod. And thank you for listening. If you made it this far, hopefully you enjoyed it. So head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, leave a review. If you've already done it, make your mom or your dad or your boyfriend or girlfriend or friends do it because let's continue to build this community. It's been really awesome. But until next week, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.